welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. We're live now. Look at the positioning over here. What's going on? What's happening back here? Good evening, everyone. Good afternoon. Good morning. Sorry, we're late. Uh, this, this is my life. Right? This, this is this is what's going on. <laughs> it has been a busy, busy week uh, in some really extraordinary ways. So, like, just a lot going on, and it's been just a busy week and, and a hard week in a lot of other ways. I got my tooth pulled the other day, um, which, first of all, first time I ever got knocked out for getting a tooth pulled. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get dental work again awake. It was like you just woke up in a massage chair, and it was like. It was magical. It was a magical experience. So, um, I, you know, when I when we're jumping on here, a lot of times my wife will read like the comments, and I just think that it's so interesting to me where people are coming from. What do we have? South Africa yeah. was on there. Um, it's you love dropping that phone. Um, there's just people from all over the place. Yeah, it's incredible. Good. And so that kind of that kind of leads me into like what I'm thinking about on the front end here. Um, you know, when I started teaching, I taught in, uh, I taught ninth grade English at a school in, uh, in Camden, New Jersey. And Camden, New Jersey is, is one of, it, it used to be, it's, it's often the most dangerous place in the U S per capita. And it's also, um, one of the poorest, uh, kind of neighborhoods in, in all of the United States. The reason that that plays a part in what I'm thinking about here is that I looked at, you know, when I started teaching, like it was like every movie I could watch, every documentary I could watch, every book I could read, every, um, you know, YouTube wasn't a thing. There was no teacher content on there yet. But like, like had there been, I would have been consuming everybody that, that I thought sort of aligned with with my mission, with what I wanted for my class, with um, the type of neighborhood or the, you know, the the students that I was teaching, like I would have started looking for commonalities and then trying to consume as much stuff as possible. And, and that's, that's what I did. The problem was that nothing ever a hundred percent lined up. Like even some of my heroes, some of their stuff just felt so far gone. Some of the, the ideas felt like they were too much and that like, I just couldn't ever really probably pull those off or my kids were a little different or the funding was different or I didn't have my own room or my room wasn't the same exact type or I didn't have permission to go like on those types of trips or take the kids to those kinds of places or um, it, there, there was stuff. I, there were all these kind of limitations popping up. And so when you're watching uh, today or when you consume like whether it's my content or someone else's, I just want to I want to remind you of this when, when you pop up against those limitations, because what those can do and it, this happened for me anyway was it makes you start thinking you can't do stuff or that this doesn't work and you throw the whole thing out or you give up or you feel a sense of like loss or disappointment. And I'd like to offer this idea to you instead. What if you are called to be the person you're Googling? Um, someone said this to me years ago and it really hit me because it means that what you're going to do is not find an exact fit anywhere that, you know, like talk about in the book all the time. Um, there's no silver bullets in teaching. There's no one way to do this. And so there is you borrowing ideas and, and inspiration and motivation and advice from other people is you kind of collecting ingredients. But what you're trying to make is not the same thing everybody else is trying to make because that's not what's called for in your situation. So then what do you do with that? I think what we do with that is we start dreaming up. Who do I need to become to be the person I'm called to be? Right. So if you are called to be the person you're Googling, right, like what does that look like? What what is the thing you're looking for? And then how do you become that? And that is largely what we're trying to do here every Sunday. Uh, this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, and my name is CJ Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, which really just means real talk with Reynolds. And so we are trying to create a space where it's not just the me's. Of, uh, like, I'm not on here just talking. It is all the people in the comment section. Um, someone just commented, though, that the YouTube uh, comment section is popping over here. Um, 
so the first time in the YouTube comment. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching it. So no shade on the Facebook community. No shade at all. Um, Laura Green's over there holding things down unless she fell asleep, took a nap again, and she's not over there, uh, which I'm just kidding if you are. Um, so th this is what we're trying to do is create a safe space for teachers to explore and express who they are, what they think and what they feel, and ask questions that are real, and then you're going to get answers not just from me but from everyone else on here. And then Absolutely. with that, Ready you got a question? Let's do it. All right, Catherine. Warm back here. Is, uh, oh, sorry. I'm freezing. No, sorry. <laughs> Catherine is first up. She's asking, I have a teacher friend who deals with anxiety on a daily basis. Do you have any suggestions for them to help manage it during the school day? Yeah, so I think, you know, Catherine, um, I, I'm going to be real transparent. I have never had an anxiety attack until this year. Uh, and when it happened, I didn't even know what it was. Um, I thought I was losing my mind, but this school year, as I've said many, many times, has been particularly difficult. Last week was no different, but here's here's how I get through these things. Um, or, or at least I'm, 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 it's not fixed, but I'm learning to manage it better because it's still a new thing for me. Uh, those of you that have never had an anxiety attack or, or dealt with anxiety, it is like this. For me, this sudden rush of fear about damn near everything. I mean, sometimes it has to do with my job. I literally, but because, because my job is kind of like wearing me down so much. Can you, can I ask you to do me a favor? Can you take that heart off the window? Oh, it's beaming a light right into my eyeball. We have this like uh, reflective heart thing. Um, it's really pretty hanging from the window, but it, or you could just hide it behind the curtain even or something like that if you want. Oh, okay. Or you can <laughs> Sorry. I didn't want to distract, but it probably was glittering on my face and it was shooting me right in my eye. Anyway, um, I woke up in the middle of the night one night, 2 a.m. I did this for weeks, uh, probably months. Um, 2 a.m. every night. I would start worrying that I wasn't going to fall back asleep again. My mind would then start racing and I started thinking about like things like the dog needs heartworm medicine. Folks, I don't live in the middle of nowhere. I could go get heartworm medicine tomorrow. And I happen to have the 1495 or whatever the hell it costs to get the the heartworm medicine. So I'm not worried about that either. Even if telling myself, hey man, we have the money, go out tomorrow, go out tomorrow morning before work if you want to, go grab some heartworm medicine. Doesn't matter. It's still like, it's like my mind is not under my control. So how do I deal with that? For me, it is doing really immersive things that are going to calm me deeper than anything else will, right? Um, I try to limit uh, and I'm not against people using medication for this kind of thing, but I try and limit my amount of medication. I know who I am. I know who I've come from. And I don't like, even I got pain pills for my tooth and I don't like, I took one. I was like, nope, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm staying away from this. That's me knowing me though. Um, I would do, I started doing things this year, like uh, going to float tanks, like the sensory deprivation tanks. Um, I started meditating even more, getting up earlier so I could really meditate it is, for me, the importance of the morning routine. It's the importance of the evening routine. It's the importance of having moments throughout my day where I know I'm not going to work, but I'm going to drive and go get coffee and call my wife. I'm going to, every fourth period, hang out with Miss Miller, the art teacher, every single day. We're the only two people generally in there, and we just talk about stuff, and it's really nice. Um, it is eighth period, becoming a time where I've, I have a prep the last period of the day, which is, if those of you have ever had that, it's freaking awesome. It's the first time in my life I ever did. Um, I sit in there with a very specific group of people that I've invited, and we talk. We do talk about hard stuff in school, but we also just talk about the good stuff about teaching and good things that are going on in our life. So I'm creating these spaces where I am doing the deep work. I think the other thing is learning tactics on how to get out of those things faster. But but here's how I think this benefits. The, I, this is how I think the deep work is because you're not going to leave work in the middle of the day and go do a float tank probably. In my experience, those moments carry over to the the other moments that you're having, right? So like when your body's natural or like sort of reset position is you're getting into like some kind of deep um, peace and then something happens, you 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 can kind of draw on that stuff, right? Like like you you pull, you 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 do things, you do breath exercises that remind you, oh yeah, I can get to this place of deep peace and then it pulls you back in. I know that, I, I think 
in doing that, it is, it, it is for me has been the experience, right? That that's how I, I've kind of I've kind of tapped back into that. I think the other thing is really, to me, is like planning out my life and knowing, um, thinking ahead of time what might freak me out, and then planning accordingly. Um, I have something that you know we've referred to. My wife and I refer to as our pain plan. So it's like when things are getting a little nuts, what are we doing, right? Like what, what can we do? Like what brings us peace and what can we do to fight against that, um, to be ready for that? So my wife knows like, and I listen to her more than I listen to myself at this point. If I come home and it's a, it's a Thursday and I had a really tough week, she'll go, do I need to book a, a, a float appointment? Do you need to go get a massage? Do you need to go take a walk? Do you need to go um, hang with friends? Do we need to go out on like a date and get like a drink and like come and just be out of the house, out of the norm, out of the regular life. But it's having those things in place, knowing what fills you up, having those things in place um, so that when something happens, you are, but then also plugging into like some bigger things like Saturdays. I just don't do work. It is a Sabbath and I, I honor it. It's, it's very, very strict for me. Uh, I have some really big opportunities business-wise coming up. I didn't work on any of them yesterday. I watched three Star Wars movies and played video games. That's really hard. That drove me nuts all day yesterday. I wanted to do like, I wanted to work. Like I had the energy. You you were feeling it? Yeah, because I, well, I worked on our house this week. So I cleaned house a lot this week and like took care of kids and personal stuff. But like I was ready to work. It was so difficult. I felt very antsy all day yesterday because although I had a headache. Plus it snowed. So you couldn't like readily go out and do stuff. Yeah, I yeah. knew like chilled all day and it drove me insane. Yeah, I did. It was awesome. <laughs> all right, let's go for our next question. I chilled the rest of today too. I'm not really sure. I'm feeling that out. Um, Laura Campion is asking, hey Reynolds, I hope you are safe and well. I am concerned about the future of public ed. Widespread negativity about people not going into teaching as a profession. I think I'm good at what I do, but I'm tired of all the challenges and headaches that educators face. How do you keep moving forward when deep in your heart, you can find numerous examples of what isn't working in education and and makes you question what I am even doing here? This is the question right now, right? This is the question. This is what leads to, to, um, to to the anxiety that you feel Mm -hmm. in, in the other spaces in your life, at least part of it. Right. Um, It's a seemingly tough question to answer. I have an answer, right? Um, But what I do is not the same as what I think everyone else should do. I think that it is, it is listening to other people, like I said, and figuring out what works for you. So I'm going to tell you what I do. This year has been horrendous on a a thousand levels. Um, The way the school is being run, the way that uh, things teachers are being asked to do. Um, to date, we've lost something like 26% of our teachers. I've probably mentioned that before. Um, and I know a few more put in notice this week that they won't be coming that they might be leaving before the end of the year. And several of them definitely won't be coming back next year. And these are pillar pillar educators that like our school runs because they are there. So a world without them is kind of like. I don't know, take three golden girls off the show and replace them with somebody else and see if that works. Um, What I've done this year, though, is at every opportunity I've spoken up, at every opportunity I've shared what I think is is not working, but then had a plan in place on some level of at least talking points of what I think we should do. So if I don't have a complete answer, it's like, hey, look, this isn't working. I think this is damaging the students and it's damaging to the school. Um, it's damaging to the community. Here's, I have some ideas of what we could do going forward, but I'm also just willing to be a part of a conversation um, or would like to inspire a conversation to try and help fix to fix some of these things. Um, I've gotten teachers together. Uh, I've been a part of other people getting teachers together too, to sit in a room in a circle and share what's going on and what we think we can do about it. And that has to be the conversation. My friend, uh, a friend of mine from school did this and he was very strict that like you could talk, you could kind of talk crap, you could vent, but you had to have some idea of an answer or where you want it, at least a vision of where this should go. Even if you didn't know how to get there. 
um, what was the destination? Then we'll figure out the roadmap to get there. I have called the board. Um, I have called uh, former administrators that were a part of my school that I thought might be able to, to speak to some folks to, to get some clarity to kind of move things forward. Um, I have organized conversations with administration. I've written notes, I've written emails. Um, but And then the part that's a little harder for me to kind of tell people to do, but that I've done is I just refuse to do some things. Um, I think some things are just unethical. I just believe, I, I believe um, that I'm at my school and it's part of, it's missional for me and that there are things that I'm there to do and students that I'm, uh, that I want to champion and help find success. And then I think when what we are doing is the direct opposite of that, I refuse to do it under any circumstances and you can fire me. Um, and I've made that very, very clear that I am, that I, I just, I won't do it. So what do we do? I think what we do is we remember that, look, I mean, however many teachers are at your school is a lot of teachers. They have a voice. And that if we can get a collective voice on some issues and really find ways to speak our truth, then that changes things. When we can get other people on board, when we are saying it loud and we're saying it in the right places, if you're just saying it to one another and complaining in your classroom, that's one thing. But I will say that my experience, um, even with some of my leadership now, right, is that they were just so unaware of what was going on. Now, look, we could argue about the legitimacy of that or whether that's true or like, how did you not know? Um, but sometimes people just don't know. And if you don't know, then you don't know. And so you have to let them know. You have to tell them. Um, and I think it, it part of that is being an optimistic force for change, right? If you're a pessimistic force for change and you just complain about stuff, I think that's different. But if we can go into these meetings, we can go into these spaces with hope in our hearts, then that's something. Now, I will say it could be your school. It could be your leadership. It could be your like maybe that is just too broken. Um, I'm starting to wonder that about my own about my own school and knowing that, look, I still want to do good work. I just don't know if this is the place. Uh, so even though I'm not sure if I'm going back to my school next year, I know that I've been asked to be a part of more meetings and I'll keep showing up and being part of those meetings because someone's coming after me and the students deserve better. So I'll keep, I'll keep saying it until, you know, uh, I'm out of range and you can no longer hear my voice. But um, I think it's about remembering that you have probably far more power than you think you do. And you sometimes teachers need to be reminded that um, teachers are often just told to shut up and just do what, kind of what they're told, or people act like they're listening to you, act like they're taking your voice into account, and they're not. Um, make sure they hear you, and then just keep saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying it over and over and over again. And keep filling yourself up, because you'll yeah. never be able to deal with all that if you aren't yeah. being yourself first. Which, when you say no to stuff, yeah. I find that I have more energy for other things. But even, it's not even just saying no, it's like, because I see, I know what those meetings and that stuff does to you on those days. Mm -hmm. you, I get the outside glimpse of, of how you behave and what that does to you, like, and how it is, it is maddening some days. And so I think the filling up this year has been so key um, to the, to surviving. And, and you know what, I think, as much as I try to optimize myself and I want to just live in this place of like consistent joy, some days just suck. Some days are just hard and we're, and we're not there yet. And so like when I came home last week, one day, my wife was like, what can we do to kind of make this better? And I said, we can't do anything because what's bothering me. I can't figure out how to make it work at school and so it's like, it's like just getting into a broken down car every day or some like jalopy that's like, you know, I don't even know if that's might be an offensive word on someone's radar. I have no idea. But um, if you're just in like this thing that just doesn't work, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so aggravating. Mm -hmm. So I, then I just go into school and I just do the opposite of everything. And it's like, nope, I'm going to just stand here and, and love kids. I'm going to just focus on my lessons. I'm going to focus on helping kids today and all that crap that I was told to do by the end of the day or, or else like literally or else. Um, sorry. I was, I, this is what had to happen today. So anyway. All right. Uh, 
Keely is asking, she's up next, asking if you could teach any novel studies you wanted, what books would you choose for ninth graders? Oh, so I think you can go a couple of different ways here. Um, you could stick with classics. I think there are some classics that have some validity. I know that people don't like, look, I teach a lot of old white dudes, but um, we partner that with a lot of other stuff. And some things are just going to get mentioned through the rest of your life. Like the Odyssey is constantly referred back to. And that's part of the reason I teach the Odyssey. And, and it's sort of this quintessential hero's journey. And I want my boys to think of themselves like they're on a hero's journey. And so we paint this picture and we create this thing where we are, uh, we are, yes, um, it's, there, there, there's a lot of problematic material in that too, but we hold mirrors up to that. But I think the Odyssey, um, I love, yeah, a lot of the classics I read, I read because I really love them. Like Of Mice and Men is, to me, a story about friendship, against about adversity, about chasing dreams, about heartbreak, about rot, being a ride-or-die friend and, and, and comrade, even when that's hard and you're not doing it the best way that you possibly can, but you're still showing up to do it. Um, Lord of the Flies, I think, is a really great one. I think Fahrenheit 451 is one of those books that, like... Um, just got the future so right on a, so many levels that it's absurd. Um, and then I, I think, uh, you know, if I was going to implement anything that was newer, um, I think anything by Jason Reynolds is worth looking at. I think a lot of these sort of like contemporary books, like the hate you give things that are really kind of have found their space in 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 the conversation um are worth looking at i think looking at uh i would love to do i mean if i had more time i would love to do biographies or at least section of biographies. so i look at like michelle obama's autobiography or um gosh uh i, I think just like i think success leaves clues and that it's interesting to help kids walk through um someone's life and see that wasn't like you know, the overnight success wasn't the overnight success. Um, and some of those are just for that reason is like, uh, they're, they're not like the most, like read Kevin Hart's book is not like the most beautiful prose you ever read, read, read in your life, but they are, but there's lessons there. Um, and it's someone that the kids are, are connected to. So I think it's about finding books that your students can see themselves in and then teaching through that lens because they're going to take something away from that that they wouldn't otherwise. When I read of Mice and Men, I got to build the bridge from Dust Bowl, 1930s, um, kind of male dominant world where like even the, the one woman in the book doesn't even get a name. Um, we're, we're there, but I have to build the bridge. Sometimes it's easier to teach the, the content that doesn't build the bridge um, and so that's what I would do. Uh, oh, okay. What's up with that? Um, our next question comes from uh, Wendy. Okay, hold on. Is that better now? Sorry, gang. The uh, the microphone was being difficult. Can everybody uh, hear us? I don't know. Is anybody saying in the comments? Built in, built in. Oh, she said we can hear you now. Okay, cool. Thanks, Laura. Um, so yeah, next question went from Wendy. How do you keep motivated? Oh yeah. What are you doing? I don't know what that was. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anyway, let's. Um, keep it motivated. How do I keep motivated? I, I first of all realized that it is completely in my power to change my mood, to change how I think about my life. That I have. You know, we just talked about this today. I was talking to my wife about this. There are certain times in my life where I just can't have negativity in it. It's almost like I need to build a force field around my life. But I think the people that you live with have to agree to that, right? School, you can't do anything about that so much. Um, but in my house, it's like, 
I can't, I don't want to do negative talk today about anything. I don't want to talk about the neighbor. I don't want to talk about that. I don't like what something looks like. I don't want to talk about how half the road is plowed right now. And the other half is like, I just want to literally keep it to the best version of what it can be and only talk about possibility, talk about hope, talk about love, talk about things I'm excited about. And so that's part of it. Sometimes it's creating a force field about around myself where I do not let any negativity in for, for bursts of time, right? Negativity shows up. Um, but I want to be put myself in a space where that is going to bounce off of me and not penetrate me. Um, the other thing is really being mindful of the people you're spending the most time with. Uh, it is. And then, you know, life gets busy, make plans with those people. We went out on Friday night with two friends we haven't seen in a long time. And it was so unbelievably fun. Oh, you're stealing Miss Gonzalez's question. That's okay. Question. All right. So at least he gets to do something. Fun uh, so for the I'll, night. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that then in a minute, but it was so great. Um, I think about things like the music that I listen to, the movies that I watch, the TV shows that I watch, I won't watch stuff that is, uh, that's, that brings me down. So for instance, and I know a lot of people are really in the show Abbott Elementary right now. It is so connected to so many ways that my school is doing things wrong, that it's just not funny to me. It's like, it, I no, watched it the other night and I got, I was getting aggravated. I'm like, oh, they just like, what, why is someone in leadership that is doing this kind of a thing? Like, that kind of stuff is so problematic to me um, that I stay completely away from it. And I only allow people into my house. I only allow people into my social space. I only allow movies, music, podcasts that are uplifting to me. And if they're not, I do not engage um, because there's enough of that in the world. There's enough, like I don't watch the news. Um, I figure if I'm going to, if I need to know something, like I'll find out about it some other way, but like just hearing about whatever another person murdered in Philadelphia about the state of coronavirus, about the state of public schools. I don't, I try to cut that stuff out um, so that I can really focus on uh, the flip side. And then I go real deep into feeling grateful. I, this is a practice I have every day. And not only do I, do I practice it, what that means is I have to feel it. Right. So like when I'm sitting there and I literally think about it's 530 in the morning, I'm sitting on the couch, uh, meditating, and I literally think about my son is upstairs right now in a very comfortable bed. Uh, he's warm. He is fed. He has not a zero worries in the world right now. I then think about my my daughter. I think about my wife. I think about the dog who's laying at my feet doing the same thing. Um, I think about my one-eyed cat that we got that is upstairs and last week was living in a cage at a shelter and now is like living the friggin' dream with my daughter who loves animals more than any person in the world, uh, except for me. But um, no response on that one? Okay, thought I was going to oh, go. Sorry. Uh, so it's <laughs> really just, it's creating those spaces um, where you're just like, the, the way you stay motivated is because you're not letting all the other nonsense in you're filtering all that crap out so it's like changing your air filter uh in your house change the air filter regularly um and buy the good one so that you can feel like you're you're not having to to it's protecting your peace man yeah you're not having to filter out as much stuff like it's not that nothing ever gets through but it's limiting the amount of, of crap that has to be filtered out. And then I can do a lot better job filtering the other stuff out. Um, I'm just laughing. Miss Gonzalez said, she goes, if you need a chicken, happy to send you one, Yo, one we, or three. Stop because my daughter literally looked up the price to buy a chicken this morning. <laughs> um, thank goodness she's not on here. Otherwise she would take you up on that. Okay, Miss Gonzalez is asking. She said, "Sorry about your teeth thing, but did you at least get to do something fun for date night?" Oh, man. So, my tooth. So they take the tooth out and then they put this giant bandaid in your mouth that like goes from one side like over to the other side of your mouth, and it makes it impossible to chew. You can't close your teeth all the way. Now, I did break half of it off the other night because I had muscles, but um, we went out on Friday night. Uh, for happy hour to this place around the corner from our house called Max's Seafood. It is it it is so beautiful inside. It is like it is a reason to come to my neighborhood. 
it's a secret little gem. It's like it never busy, like or never like super crowded. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it does, but not not often. It's like a, just a, a hidden gem. Yeah. Everyone knows when it's kind of like Cheers. It feels like in there, um, but like even cooler looking, I think. So we go out with two of our friends, and it was just a great night. It just started snowing. It was quiet. Uh, they had a guy. There's a local band from from Jersey called the Hooters, who were really big in the '80s. This guy that used to be in the Hooters, like playing acoustic guitar behind us maybe eight people in the whole joint and we just like got a bunch of food and shared and and ate and drank uh and it was such a great night and part of date night is not just us hanging out but is building in time for us to spend with friends that we that we love and and we that fill us up that bring that great energy and the funny thing is the two friends that we were going out with is funny ironic is that uh, one just had like really serious back surgery and has been on a walker for months and has been going to rehab and stuff. And our other friend's mom is in the middle of going through hospice. And so they hadn't been out in a really long time. And so it was this, it was this night of kind of release for everyone. And we just laughed and talked and lovely. had a great time. And it was like, I woke up on Saturday morning. I was like, damn, yo, yesterday was so great. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love date night. It's like my new favorite day of the week. I know, Laura asked, she said, uh, what are some future date night plans? Love this way to fill your bucket. Uh, I think, um, so we do, we do, there's more expensive, like that was expensive date night on Friday. We were there for a long time because we were with our friends. We're not usually out that long. (laughs) Um, But like, even like, we really love going to like, get French fries and milkshakes at places and then just drive around and talk and dream. Like that's like literally one of our favorite things to do. sounds so lame. Um, But it's time together. Yeah. And it's cozy. You're in your car. You got your jams on. It's it's what you make of it, right? Yeah. Especially in my car, because it's clean. Yours is a little bit dirtier, but um, <laughs> they, you know, uh, talked about going to like I don't know stuff like driving ranges, trying different restaurants, trying different bars. It's it's more about right now, just going anywhere and being either just with one another or with people that we care about. So I think we've given more thought to who we'd want to hang with than where we'd want to go. I do have this idea though, that I want to go to all the bars uh, in the local neighborhood without windows. No, it's terrible. Because those bars always look a little creepy. And so I'm like, yo, let's have like a windowless bar night where we just go to all the- We're going to go to Tonewood's new fancy around. We will go to Tonewood. I'm looking forward to that. They've been building that place forever. Okay, let's answer some more questions. And then on the way home from there, let's stop at all the windowless bars. Okay, Stephanie Shook is asking, Admin is pushing AVID strategies. I don't know what that is or if I'm saying that right. Uh, But from personal experience, the ones they are pushing do not work for most of our kids. How do you approach this without training in the strategies? So, that's that's the question, right? Without it's it's the without the training thing. Um, I think Avid has to do with like college and like the workplace readiness or something like that. Um, I here's what I would do, Steph. This this is what I do with stuff that I don't like. How I have to do it in school. Um, le- the last couple of years, we've had to do this program that I won't say what it is but i've talked i've talked to i think i've talked to like smaller groups about this and stuff um where it was a reading and writing program that i didn't particularly care for because i felt like it over homogenized the reading and writing process um it allowed students to not have to do very much work but it but it painted the picture that they would be like be super rigorous like we love talking about rigor um so what i did was i took that program and then i reconstructed it and I made it, I took this thing that was supposed to take like five days and it was supposed to have the kids write like this incredible essay in, in, in five days and connected to all these worldly things. And instead I made it like five weeks and we did it like one or two days a week, um, but I made it my own. So I think sometimes when we see, take a look at what's being asked to do, why it's being asked to be done, what is actually important as from like, and not necessarily just your perspective, but like talk to the people in your in your community what do we want kids to come out of this with? Um, and then trying to figure out the best way for your students to do something like that. The problem that I've long since had with any sort of like scripted curriculum or um, script, not to say that they're all bad either, is we are asked to blindly follow them 
without looking at the kids that are sitting in front of us. And so that is, it's, it, I think it's about looking at what you're being asked to do and then how does, what, what, is, what good can we take out of it, right? There, there must be something and I would imagine. Um, and if not, maybe just, I don't know, that's a whole nother question, but like uh, it is, what can we do with this? And then how can I make it best for my kids? So we, an example of that is every Monday we have this thing called seminar at school and it's 30 minutes um, and it's like life lessons. They're usually not sent to us until right before school starts on Monday. You have to teach us after second period. So then I have a prep in the morning where I'm doing other stuff. I now have to stop and figure out a way because it, they always suck. Like every week, it's, it's a sucky thing. And it's not the person's fault that created it. It is they are merely being given that or it's not the person that's giving it to me. So my grade level chair gives it to me. Uh, but I don't blame them, the grade level chairs. It's they are being given this stuff last minute and then told that they can just roll it out and that it should be good enough for us to do. But it sucks every week. And so you can't create buy-in when you're trying to give the kids or do something with students that sucks. So what we are doing instead is um, I look at it. I go, what's the main idea? What's the topic we're trying to get to here? What YouTube videos, what resources, what article, what conversation could we have? And then I just make my own thing up. And then that's what I do. So we, did we still talk about something in the space of social emotional learning? Yep. Did I do what you asked me to do? Hell no. Um, I did my own version of that because I felt like this was going to be something that the kids actually walked away with. So that's that's how I do that stuff. Uh, our next question comes from Sherry. What are some ideas or what are some ideas that you have to increase teacher love for school and morale? Our admin has been awful and I'm trying to spark uh, some joy in my school. Um, I think it is... To me, it's one, making the commitment as teachers that no one's going to steal our joy. And then how do we do that, right? Like, because you can make the decision, but then someone tries to steal your joy. Uh, I don't know that that it's always school-wide opportunities or school-wide um, rollout that helps these particular things, right? So we can start having like casual Friday. Um, we can have, which our school has done, we can start having uh, you get a donut and a cup of coffee when you come in on a Friday. Um, we can have, uh, I don't know, like they try to, sometimes schools try to create these kind of like awkward moments of like, no, we really care. Let's show you with a donut. And it's like, no, what I need is time. So what I do is, um, I just look to connect with people. I look for moments in the day that I can create levity, that I can create a spark of joy, of silliness, of, of humor. And then I think when the culture of the school is one that is about kids, that is about teachers, that is about love, that is about joy, that is about silliness, that is about fun, that is about commitment, that is about really trying to like get kids invested and involved in what they're doing, um, everybody doing their own little thing creates. I once heard a quote that said, if everybody swept in front of their own house, the whole world would be clean. Um, and I, I like this idea because it reminds me that my job sometimes, uh, Sherry, is to, is to think of what can I do that's going to then inspire other people. So on Friday, I posted this picture of myself on Instagram. Uh, I got this piece of poster board and it's outlined in gold glitter, which already awesome. I tape it to a, a to a meter stick. And then I wrote a quote on it. And the quote was, uh, I say, there's a 99% chance that you're awesome. Act accordingly. And I stood in the hallway. And then at the end of the day, I do this thing where I have my megaphone and um, I will occasionally go into the hallway. And when certain teachers walk down the hallway, I go, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Mr. Fletcher. And then all the students applaud. They, um, they just do it every single time. I also got this, this button that I've showed on, on here before that is uh, an air horn. Well, then I figured out if I hold the button up to the megaphone, guess what happens then? Even louder button. And so it's this air horn, this bam, 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 bam. Like however many times I hit it, it does the noise. And that was amazing. So I am, uh, when I get kids to do things for, my, for me in class, like I, I do this thing where I have this one student that really doesn't want to do anything ever. He is well below grade level or like 
Um, and actually, I don't want to go into too specific because I don't want anyone to figure this out. But like, we change kids' names and give them special nicknames. We give them certain snacks. We act like you're the biggest deal in the world. And thank God you're at school today because I'm so glad you're here. Would you like a bowl of of uh, cinnamon toast crunch without milk because that will make a mess right now so you can eat in class while we're doing this work? Um, that oh wait, you need a pencil sharpener? Don't even worry about it. You are one of the greatest I've ever seen. I will sharpen your pencils for you. Um, it is. It's about creating these moments and, and these times where you're doing the silly, fun, great stuff that you have inside of you. And then that just inspires other people to do it. And I think that that is where we want to get teachers. I think that's what changes classroom culture. That's why I think autonomy is so important because when we give teachers autonomy, when we give them time, space, and energy, and money, and resources to do stuff, they can make their classrooms come alive in a way that back to the beginning is allowing them to be the person they Googled. And so um, it, I think that that's, that's how I do it. So it's really you thinking about how can you spread joy? And then that joy is infectious. It is contagious. It makes other people want to do it. Um, and I think that that's what I would do. Awesome. Our next question comes from Facebook. John Brossett is asking, um, do you try to change the culture of your school to be awesome, like the culture of your classroom? Or is that a losing battle? No, I, so I think, look, John, I think one of the things I, I have to remember myself is that not everyone's me, right? And I'm not everyone else. So like, not everyone's silly. Not everyone's going to blow bubbles. Not everyone wants to use a microphone in the hallway. Not everyone wants to put a hand on the end of a stick. Not everybody wants to um, black out the lights in their room. Not everybody wants to start class by watching some dumb video that's going to tie into what we're watching later. And it seems completely uh, unrelated. Not everybody wants to drawing kids desk. Not everyone wants to, wants to do that stuff. And that's cool. What we want to do is create a space where teachers are able to identify what's great about them, that we celebrate them for what's great about them. And then we unleash them into the school. So my friend, Sarah, that teaches right across the hallway from me is literally one of the most loving people that I've ever met in my life. She just pours love every, like everywhere she goes, just comes out of her. Um, and she, it, she just affirms you and makes you feel like you're doing the greatest job ever. Right. But she's not going to stand outside in the hallway with a lightsaber and, uh, and you know, take kids with it. Right. She's not going to, uh, that sounded really violent, but it's, you know, it's a blow up thing and it's funny. Um, she's not going to play, you know, down the hallway. Uh, my, my man Fletch is Fletch comes in every morning and he's got music. He brings him, he makes breakfast for kids often gives them a place to hang out and it has music bumping so it like music is playing on the first floor i don't even know if you know about this but it's bumping every day in the hallway but that's fletch's thing mm. i'm not going to do that because i don't want that kind of loud in the morning flounders isn't going to do that because she doesn't want that kind of loud in the morning fletch sets a tone he's like the dj of the first floor and it is it is empowering one another and getting people excited about what makes you special is it showing love is it creating a quiet place in the morning is it sharing is it talking about books and movies and tv shows with kids is it playing music and having a dance party in your room is it standing in the hallway with a megaphone and a button that makes an air horn noise instead of just buying an air horn and um and making announcements or making signs i think that that's what we want to do because then school becomes more like the avengers or the a-team then like just the, this one way to do the one thing that's going to make things better. Uh, our next question is from Laura. She's asking what led you to rearrange or make over your classroom oh. thinking that would help me feel like I had a fresh start. So for those of you that don't know, um, my, let's say my classroom used to face this way. Now it faces this way. Uh, I never could do it before. There used to be doors on the side of my wall. They closed those. Then we went home for COVID and I was unable to, to change anything then. Um, I was told that, because of the size of my room, my students couldn't be more than three feet apart from one another. Um, so they had to wear two masks in class, which was just like, it. look, I'm not a no masker, but like two masks, I already can't hear you because you mumble all the time. And it's like, come on. So if I turned the desks, I was able to get more space between desks, which took me off the two mask list. That was one. Two, um, I have all these giant windows in my room. When the sun comes up in the morning, it comes through those windows and you often can't see what's on the smart board because of that. And it beams me in my eyes. And so uh, like that, that's what I do. Um, that was a problem also. And 
I also just thought it would be fun to just change things up. Uh, my room's been, it's, it has grown and changed and I've added things to it, but like, I just thought that kind of drastic change would be really fun. And so, and it just made sense with the space of the class and most of the students have loved it. Uh, I did have one kid come in and tell me that I was the only constant in his whole life and that I changed everything and hated it. Um, <laughs> but he's been fine. You know? can't please everybody. No, I gave him some cinnamon toast crunch and he was happy. <laughs> Our next question comes from Josh. How do you know when it is time to move to another school? I have had four tough years at my school and I know that the grass is greener where you water it. What made you leave your school in New Jersey? Uh, so my school in New Jersey, I felt it was doing like, we had some really difficult moments um, where like one time they paid me too much. And uh, th this was like, this was a, a straw broke the camel's back sort of moment. I got paid too much. Um, I went and talked to four different people. I talked to the head of the business office, to the people that started the school, to the principal and said, look, I don't, I think I got an extra check. Um, and I, I don't know why, but like, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And the head of the business office literally said, do you want us to take it back? And I said, well, if, if, if I like missed, like, cause we got, I would get paid for coverages and doing different stuff. And like, I didn't know if like that it created this, I didn't know where it came from. So they told me it was mine. And I said, all right. So I went, I paid a bunch of bills and I paid a bunch of stuff, future bills. Right. And then they re they took out my direct deposit they they revoked it and, and i was a mistake. had a dozen a dozen yeah i had like four hundred dollars in like overdraft fees yeah. by the time they and then out. all these things bounced on top of that it was awful so i then went to them and they were like oh yeah we realized that it was a mistake so we took it out i'm sorry come again like now i'm it's the summer i didn't get paid in the summer and that was really difficult um so that was like a, a show of like, we really don't care that much. Cause I felt like, man, just let me pay it back like in increments or something. Like, I, I don't know, but like, or give me the heads up that you're going to do this and not just take it back out of my checking account. So that was part of it. Part of it was um, I didn't like the way the school was going. I thought they were making a lot of drastic changes that I didn't really like, uh, which is the nature look of working in, in certain schools, right? There's so much change all the time. Um, and then um, I needed, part of it was I needed to make more money. I made, um, I, I will even say what, what I made my first year teaching. And I know that's a lot more than some people even make now. And I know you're looking at me in a certain way, even now the corner <laughs> of my eye, I made $31,000 my first year teaching some places in the country and, and in the world, you can make that much money and it's enough. Um, living in Philadelphia or on the right, just outside of Philadelphia, impossible, right? Like when your mortgage is $1,800 a month, you can't live on $31,000 a year. So I had to work all these extra jobs all the time. Um, and it was just, it was impossible. So, but my new school, I just, it wasn't, the grass was greener in many ways. Like I would have windows in my classroom for the first time in my life, but uh, things were a lot harder in a lot of ways too. So it, it to me, it's like, where do I get to fulfill my mission? I don't think that, I think that, look, I'll say it this way, Josh. I've been in the same relationship since I was 18 years old, right? I'm 45 now. Um, we have worked really, really hard to get to where we are, but both parties were willing to do that. We knew what the mission was. We knew what the goal was. We knew who we wanted to be and, and what we wanted that to look like. It was doing the work to get to that place. Um, and I and we've never given up. That being said, uh, I don't know that all relationships are like that. If one person really, really, really wants to make this work and it doesn't, like, or the other person doesn't, if one person is saying let's go to therapy, and the other person says no. If one person wants to have kids and the other one doesn't, um, you, there are these things that, like, if your values, your ethics, and your goals are not aligned, then this is probably not the place for you. Uh, because you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. Whereas if you go to a school where you are aligned with the leadership, with the schools, with the mission of the school, and it's like, yes, this is what I, this is what I want to be a part of. Even when it's hard, you know, you're all working towards the same thing, but it's like, it's like, if the, if someone else is like, no, I'm playing soccer. And it's like, dude, we're in the middle of a baseball game right now. It's like, our missions are not aligned. Our goals are not aligned. Uh, that was a really stupid metaphor, but like, that's what I would think about. 
Um, it's not about giving up. It's not about giving up on kids. Anywhere you go, there's going to be kids that need you. And so I think that that's a reason that schools get us to stay. And I think that's a way we get ourselves to stay is to say like, oh, what about the kids? The kid, it, it does hurt the kids. That is an unfortunate part of this. But every school you go to has kids and all kids need love. Um, and I think that that's, that's what I remind myself of. That's what I reminded myself of when I left. I mean, I cried when I oh, left. It was, yeah, it was horrible. horrible. I but I also keep up with all those, but not all of them, but a lot of those kids. Yeah. All right. Here's a fun question for you. Of course, it's from John Lopez. He asks, oh, what three songs sum up this month for you? Oh, my CJ? gosh. I don't even know. Can you answer that? It's not enough time to think on these deep questions that John tries to give you. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go vibe wise and not lyric wise. Um, I'm going to go talk show host from Radiohead. The vibe of that song is one. It's if they ever made a movie about. I want. I want the, a movie to be made about me just because I want to have a slow walk scene of me and that that song. Um, gosh, Lopez. <laughs> he makes you think too deep that it takes it you to answer takes exactly me a really quick. Um, I'm going to say jump by van halen because there is some stuff going on right now that is just like amazing stuff that you're just like eh, might as well jump like let's go do it let's t- let's get after it let's go do that oh, deal goodness. or that that plan or or that yeah. opportunity um and it's been a smelly month at school i'm gonna go with smells like teen spirit from nirvana because <laughs> man my room the kids come in and they go it smells like a bakery where the baker doesn't wear deodorant. This is what kid says to me the other day. Oh, I, you're like covering I use, up stink. Yeah, because I use really <laughs> plugins, and they're like, yeah, it smells like a stinky baker has a baker. I'm gonna send you in with some uh, Febreze air effects, like some some like deodorizing your air. That's what Maybe. you need instead of just perfuming your air. Some filtration in that system. I don't man. know if they really work, but yeah. All right. Our next question is coming from Kim. She's saying, I'm starting student teaching this week. Any advice for building relationships with students as a newbie joining the class halfway through the school year? Kim, I would say that, first of all, how exciting for you. And you get to be in person and that's even better. Uh, I think a couple of things. One, and this is stuff I've said before, but I, you know, I, I, I think it helps people to, if I consolidate things sometimes. One is don't wait to be the teacher you always wanted to be. Like when you walk in and you go into a classroom and the teacher's there and the kids come in, start talking immediately. Introduce yourself, ask them about themselves, ask them what they're listening to, ask them what they've got on, ask them about the game that they're playing. Um, It's all about connection. And connection only happens when we are a a bit fearless and and confident to engage with young people. Um, So don't, don't put it up on a pedestal. Don't try and make it perfect. Uh, it's not about your first speech that you give and who you are and what you're about and stuff like that. It's all the little moments consistently over time, build a sense of familiarity between you and students. And that's going to build relationship, right? Because we, we, we gravitate to, to the things that we are the most familiar with. So if you constantly are talking to kids, then when they have a problem, whether it's in school or in life, they're going to come to you because you have been that constant for them. Um, and that could be a constant over two weeks, a month or, or more. It doesn't have to be a super long time. Um, and then I think, try stuff, try stuff, try stuff. Um, the, the things that have been the best lessons in my life are the ones that have made my stomach hurt. Um, and then I think trying to be a part of as much stuff as possible and being open to everything. There are going to be a lot of teachers that teach in certain ways or teach certain things that you don't agree with, but it's being open to seeing why are they doing what they're doing? Because there are a lot of people that come into my room that do not like the way that I do stuff, but I know why I'm doing it. Um, so I don't care. Like, I know what my goal is. Now, I'll be, I'm willing to listen to people if they have a better idea or if they think that what I'm doing is, um, if someone thinks that, I don't know, I could do it a better way. Of course, I want to listen to that, but it is really being um, open to like how different people are educating young folks and then connecting, uh, like trying to take some of that in and figure out how you might use that and then be a part of everything that you can right? Like, uh, this is a time where if the play is looking for people, if they need a chaperone at a dance, if they need someone to be on bus duty, try everything. Um, it, which is like college, right? Like college gives you this opportunity to try so much different stuff. That's what I would do. 
All right, our next question. Good luck. That's awesome. That's exciting. From Jacob. Um, we got it. Asking, my tooth is really starting to hurt. Okay. I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, I have freshmen who don't seem to care if they fail and almost seem to choose failure. I think that they were, I think when they were in middle school, they were passed along and expect the same will happen again. Damn, Jacob, this is literally yeah. one of the biggest battles I'm fighting right now. Um, is when a kid has a 12 and you, they say give them a 50 or a 60, which is passing because we don't want to deal with the legal ramifications of this and we don't hold the line, but not hold the line because I said so, but hold the line because I think it will help you grow. That if when you see that I'm not messing around and that I'm still standing here waiting for you to do the work and I will help you through everything I'll do, I'll stay every day after school. I'll explain it to you 57 times. I'll break it down into small bits so that you can grasp the material. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to pass somebody along just because of that. Um, and that, that's a much deeper question when there's a lot of details that gets really messy, but that's where I stand. I think it comes from also letting kids know that I care so much about you and I know that the odds are stacked against you. So I am not willing to send you into the world or into college or into what you're doing next with a false sense of what you're capable of doing, one. And two, I don't want you to have a false sense that like, the world's not nice like that. Like, if, if you don't put in the work, the world doesn't just reward you. The universe doesn't just reward you. I think that, you know, uh, something I was given today was this idea that um, just because, like, so I'm, I'm going to go a little Jesus on for a second, or, or religious, just because God has something for you doesn't mean you don't have to fight for it. It's not a foregone conclusion, right? You got to earn, you're not, not earn, but like, you got to, you need to become a certain person to, to be who you want to be in the world. And if I'm passing you along, that's a problem. So how do I do this? I think the best motivator is to find out what motivates kids and then drive all attention to that thing. So mom works two jobs. Dad's not around. You have four siblings. Um, bro, do you want to be a burden on your mother for the rest of your life? Or do you want to... And not, and not, don't just stop there because you don't want to just bring kids down. Do you want to live in your mom's basement for the rest of your life? Do you want to like, and when you had other options, because that's just a drain on your mom. Do you, do you want to just eat top ramen forever? Um, or do you want to be able to help your mom to get a job? And in four years, you're making enough money. You're making more money than your mom ever could have dreamed of. And you have, and now that can be scaled to, to, to no end. Um, and you can help so that your mom doesn't have to work two jobs. So she can stay, so you can just work one job and then be home with your brothers and sisters at night. Do you want to be able to buy your mom something incredible for her birthday and take her out to any restaurant that she wants? Do you want to be able to like help your mom fix her car? Do you want when your brothers and sisters go to college to be able to help them move into their dorm and to take them shopping at any store that they need to go shopping at and get them all the stuff that they need? Um, do you like, so what, it, it becomes like, what do you want your future to look like? And then how are we going to get there? Because I'm telling you that what we're doing right now plays a part. I had two guys in my classroom the other day. I think it was Thursday afternoon. We were just chilling. And they were like, yo, if I don't pass this year, I'm going to drop out of high school. And I don't ever tell kids like, don't drop out of high school, right? I, I, I don't want them to. But they already know, they already know that, that's, that that's the general response that they're going to get from someone. And so I go, well, all right, that's interesting. What do you want to do? And one of my guys goes, I want to be a teacher. Well, you can't drop out of high school. And like, you don't have to be a good student in high school to be a teacher. I certainly wasn't. Um, but I didn't have a reason to do well. But you have to go to college to go to be a teacher. And to go to college, you have to go to high school. And he says, I'm just going to get my GED. And so we talk about that. And I said, look, I'm going to tell you what, I worked one year uh, and I didn't make very much money. I worked, I pumped gas in New Jersey because in New Jersey we're kings and we don't pump our own gas. Um, so I worked a full year as a gas station attendant. I think I made $8 an hour, which was enormous in 1995. Um, and I got used to making money. So then when I went back to college, it was really hard because now you're working, you can't make any money. You can, certainly can't work as much. And I wasn't a good enough student to be able to like, to just float by in college. So it's like, are you ready to be able to go get your GED? 
um, how long is it going to take you to get there? Wouldn't it just be easier to say you're a junior this year to dial it up, finish next year, and then just go on to a college? Wouldn't it even be easier if you worked really hard in the next year and a half and you got a scholarship so you could get half of or all of the money to go to college? Um, and then in four years, you're graduating, you have a job as a teacher, you can you know, have summers off to help your mom, you can work in the summer, like painting this picture of what that success would look like and just kind of seemingly how easy it could be to get there, but how what we're doing right now plays a part. I think doing that with kids is, is the thing that I've seen change kids more than anything else in the world. It is giving them a reason to see that school's not because I just want you to love learning. I do. School is it part of your pathway to success? Because if it is, you're kidding yourself if you're telling yourself that you don't have to do this. Or Because then, then learning Spanish or Latin or French or reading literature or learning biology or taking physics isn't, who cares if you like it, right? Maybe you learned something along the way and you like it a little bit along the way. It becomes more than that. It becomes a part of the game of what you have to play to find success. And that I think is, is, the, is the motivating factor for young people. We good? Well, there's All right. tons more. There's tons more. My face really hurts right now, and I need to go take a pill. One of my super ibuprofen um, that are like the size of a doll head. Um, but look, gang, I appreciate you so much. I know that this year has been hard. Keep showing back up. Um, we are in the works now to work on some stuff that is really going to, I think, really, really help teachers. I think what we are really being called into next, what I personally am being called into next is to help teachers more full-time um because because it's needed like th that look that's what most of the questions were about this evening and and so um i really want to be able to pour myself into that and not just do it as a part-time gig after school uh which doesn't get the best of me um so i'm thinking about that now i'm praying about that now um and know that look for what it's worth i'm thinking about you i pray for you every morning and, and i want you all I hope that you have the greatest week ever. Find someone that thinks they're invisible this week and let them know they're not and see what that does for your week as well. Um, that's it, gang. We'll see you next week, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, is that it? Yeah. Peace.